Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. <laughs> hey, Laurel. Hey, Jessa. Who are we here with today? We're with Elisa Todd of the Wealth Consulting Group. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me here. Yeah, yeah, we've been really looking forward to it. Me too. I'm so excited for today. Yeah, we um, were just telling you how excited we were right before we started <laughs> recording because it's all these questions. Like, we've been talking about this. We've been doing this podcast for like uh, four months, three mm-hmm. months-ish. Around there. And Forever. Yeah, and a lot of the conversations we have and a lot of people ask is, you know, when we talk about sustainability or, you know, regenerative or whatever word people are using and kind of the same mindset, if you will. And one of the big things is, well, yeah, but how can I make money? Can I be profitable? And so you are the person who's going to tell us all about this. <laughs> yes, no I am so excited. <laughs> what to do with our money and why and how and who what? Yeah. And all the things. Jessa, tell us how we met Elisa because I love it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'll give a quick intro to how we were introduced. And I met Elisa at a networking event called Networking for a-holes censored <laughs> the real version's not and uh so naturally we got along really well no, just kidding. Lisa's not even close to an a-hole whatsoever and so when we were there going around the room and it's a really great networking event yeah. and it's very efficient i really enjoyed it and we just kind of did a quick like one sentence about what we did and i said something about sustainability or environment and then we connected yeah. afterward and you're like yes, this is what I do. This is my space. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to meet someone like you who understands the financial side of it. Because I know, like I've seen studies and research that this is possible. It's a thing, but I don't know the statistics and the, I guess, um, process behind it, like how you go about sustainable investing. So on that note, Elisa, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you have come to this position with Wealth Consulting Group? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of just landed in this position. Like I never imagined that I'd be at this point right Mm -hmm. now in my career either. And so the funny thing is like I grew up not really knowing anything about money or, you know, our family didn't talk about money. It was just, you know, so once I graduated college, I had no idea how like the stock market worked. I had no clue. But while I was going through college, um, I was really fortunate to meet a financial advisor through a mentorship program. And he showed me all the different ways that he's been able to help his clients and really tap into that entrepreneurial spirit. And so I had a really amazing experience with him, like him taking me under his wing. And I just kept meeting other advisors. And I thought, wow, this really combines like a lot of my different passions of wanting to be an entrepreneur, of being able to help people in an incredibly meaningful, impactful way. I mean, your relationship with money is so personal. And just like, (laughs) you know, having that close relationship with my clients is one of the best things, like one of my favorite things that I do. And then once I graduated college, I actually went back to my first mentor and we were trying to figure out how do I go full time in this career because my internship was coming to an end. And he actually ended up introducing me to Mike, who I work with now I've partnered up with. So it all kind of came full circle. And that's how I got introduced to the Wealth Consulting Group. And Mike and I have been partnered um, for almost four years now. Mm -hmm. What did you study in undergrad? 
San Diego State. I was a finance major. Finance. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was always like something to do with numbers and in business. <laughs> and then turns out, like, yeah, one of the things I literally remember Googling, what can you do with a finance major? And it actually listed fin- uh, financial advisor. <laughs> it can encompass a lot of different things, I think. Yeah. Right? That's, that's great. I love that you're like, I didn't know about any of these things, as most of us don't. Most of us don't know what to do with money. We've had people on our podcast before um, host workshops around relationships with work and money. And it's it's just a fascinating world. So um, how when you got into financial advising with the Wealth Consulting Group, why did you choose sustainable investing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the sustainable investing has been such a big part of the Wealth Consulting Group culture. Mm. So, you know, it it was already ingrained into the Wealth Consulting Group when I joined, and we've been such advocates in this space. And also the way that the Wealth Consulting Group is even run as a business, it factors in a lot of the different things that we look for when looking at sustainable companies. Uh, Just recently, I was looking at the list of our top um, 10 advisors, and about 45% are women. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. Which is so, so rare in yeah. our industry, too. Like we have a big representation of very strong and powerful women within our firm. And then naturally we, you know, as a as a firm, we truly believe that sustainable investing, you can combine multiple different things like you can create an impact with your dollars. You can enjoy financial returns and also mitigate risk. Which brings us to the next point. What is your definition of sustainability or sustainable investing? Yeah, that's an awesome, awesome question because kind of what we were talking about earlier, everyone can have a different mm-hmm. opinion on sustainability, right? But if we look at the word sustainable sustainability on its own, it really talks about longevity and the ability to maintain and exist in current um, conditions. So when you look at sustainable investing and applying the three different lenses, so they are environmental, social, and governance, and that's why you'll see it being called ESG mm-hmm. investing. So again, it stands for environmental, social, and governance. And so when we look at companies with that screen, you're naturally selecting companies that have sustainable business practices. And in turn, it creates a sustainable company that can then maintain in the different um, market conditions. Mm-hmm. And ESG, we hear a lot about um, some other definitions are like triple bottom line, triple right. top line. I think CSR, one in C- a C- corporate social responsibility. Um, one university, I'm pretty sure it's University of San Diego, has like five different words where prosperity and peace are included. Um, so ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Can you walk us through from yeah. G backwards? Go G S. S-E. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Going backwards. <laughs> what are some of the factors yes. that compose uh, the lens of governance? Yeah. So governance, uh, one of the big areas is looking at board diversity. So, mm. you know, typically a board of directors has 10 seats. So if we have one woman on the board, she's usually a token woman, right? And so then when we look at a board that has maybe two women, we're like, okay, that that's progress, but we ha- we don't necessarily see a link between having two women on the board and like the financial performance of a company. But what research has shown is that once you have three or more women on the board, they actually see a difference in a company's financials. So that's when it makes sense, right? When you have more have women, chills. yeah. 
It's amazing. (laughs) Women are so powerful in leadership, but it adds just different thoughts, Mm -hmm. different outlooks, different backgrounds. And so when we look at diversity, it's not necessarily just gender, but gender is one of the quickest things that you can can see, right? If you look Mm -hmm. at a board of directors, it's like, you either have women on the board or you don't. So it's mm-hmm. just a really easy filter. So that's why gender diversity gets talked about a lot, but it's really diversity in all different areas. Um, another thing under governance is looking at, you know, whether there's a excessive pay um, discrepancy or disp- disparity between the executives and a rank-and-file employee, mm-hmm. right? Is the CEO making... 100 times more than what everyone else in the company is making. It's looking at a company's financial accounting, or is there any bribery or corruption? So those all would fall under governance section. Yeah, we had, I I bring this example up all the time because we had Dr. Browners on our podcast Mm -hmm. earlier and in one of your workshops. Just to give an example, the wage disparity between their lowest paid fully invested employee and the leader of the organization is the Brawners themselves is five times differential. And I think the average, her fun fact, was like in the hundred differential, like four or five hundred differential is usually the case in businesses, uh, you know, that are making 130 plus million dollars in revenue annually. And so that gives you an idea that, I mean, Dr. Brawners is a classic example of that would meet this G uh, lens pretty specifically given the wage disparity. And uh, the diversity in gender. And I also wanted to ask you, it, when you use the G lens, do you also look at age and ethnicity as as diversity factors, or is it mostly gender and background? So gender, like I mentioned, is the easiest one to see. Yeah. And really when we are constru- looking at sustainable investing or ESG investing, um, you're not going to have the perfect company that's going to hit like everything in mm-hmm. E, S, yeah. and G, right? <laughs> okay. So it's also a matter of figuring out what are the metrics that the fund company is using or the advisor is using to really hit the different criteria in the mm-hmm. E, S, and or G. Um, but when it comes to diversity, it is looking at um, gender, um, sexual orientation, nationality. Those are usually the key pieces that we look at. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that. and that kind of goes into also like gender, um, the, the pay gap. Mm-hmm. Right. Like how is a company, how is a company being run? Like one of the companies that we have in our sustainable portfolio, they act, they did a survey and did all this internal research and show that there is a gender pay gap within their own company. So then they invested millions to cl- try and close that gap also. There was an ex- an example, again, in one of your workshops where one of your funding partners was saying, hey, we wanted to invest in this particular company, but when they opened it up and we saw that they're, they didn't treat the women the same and they weren't providing equal benefits to people of different ages, we said, hey, this just doesn't really fit with us. And that company actually yeah. made the change because they wanted to attract that investment. And that goes back to... Mm-hmm. You can have an impact by voting with your dollars. I mean, funding funding partners yeah. when they open that lens of G and they they highlight and bring awareness to the right. components that they're yeah. looking towards. So it's just thinking it's awareness, and it's so yeah interesting because we talk a lot about this on our podcast as individuals being self aware, but for businesses too, it's like so many times you think you're doing the right thing, you're making right decisions, and then you have the data presented to you in a different way, and especially when you're talking about like benchmarks and some metrics, and it's like oh. You highlighted some flaws. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go work on it. I mean, it's really cool to work with businesses like that that are receptive and reactive, if not proactive, you know, ideally, but to some of the feedback they're getting from the funds. That gives me the warm and fuzzies because it's yeah. like if you just open up the books and just take a gander, people are actually willing to change. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. Exactly. And, and like you, you know, in the country, you typically have like two different ways that you can really create or lobby for change. Like one is through legislation or the other one is really through um, money, right? Mm -hmm. Capitalism. And so shareholder advocacy is a huge component of what we do. And more importantly, like the work that our fund partners do. So again, kind of like what the, the example that you said, when looking at the data points of a company and realizing, well, you're actually not scoring as great on like whether it's the environmental, social governance aspect, but we've invested some of our money in your company. And these are the things that we'd like you to work on. The companies are so much more receptive to make that change. And that's how we can promote change in businesses too. When you look at, when you look at diversity under G, do you also look at shareholder diversity like who owns the company and what their demographics look like or is that more on the back end they're more the voters and not really the I don't know do you look at that that's a really good question and again a lot of times um either the companies that we partner up with or even the fund partners we have such different metrics uh, too okay. you know and looking at the analytics one thing that we do take a look at is how are how's the company using its um, proxy votes to how are they voting on different issues you know ah. they're saying x but what are they actually voting on is it on the complete opposite end of the spectrum oh that's great okay mm -hmm. so if i'm a shareholder and i say hey i want this thing to be addressed or done and then you look and see if the board has actually voted on that issue or they have actually implemented or executed a policy or program that they right. said they would right i like that accountability yeah and I know we're only on G. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been a lot. <laughs> but, um, we, you know, you're talking about metrics. So so Wealth Consulting Group, you guys have your own set of metrics that you use, and then the fund managers, do they have their own? And is there any standardization? Mm -hmm. So that's an awesome question. So the way that – so we have an investment strategy committee mm -hmm. and where we have created all the different investment portfolios, and one of them being our sustainable portfolios. We call them our high-impact portfolios. And we – within those portfolios, we have – picked fund partners who have been big advocates in this space. It's the sustainable investing is pretty much the only thing that they do. So we know that it's part of the ingrained mission and culture. They're not just doing this to be trendy as it's getting more popular. And so when we create our portfolios, I know that our investment strategy committee does have its own metrics too. They there are certain things that mm -hmm. they look at, but then a lot of our fund partners, they are the ones that are also looking at different metrics. And again, like each company can be screening different things too. And mm -hmm. so we do our due diligence on the fund partners that we choose, and then the fund partners are doing the due diligence on the different companies that they then put into their funds. It's kind of like you're a project manager assembling yeah. a team of subject matter experts yeah. to focus on specific things and you build a trusting relationship right. and you know that they specialize. They are a special professional that has been doing this, like you said, not just popping up now that it's fashionable or in vogue. They have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, exactly. And we actually just hired a project manager for our high impact portfolios because you know, it's been growing. It's a growing space, and we just want to continue adding on to our resources, too. That's great. I like it. So there's a lot of tackling of the issues. And I think for our listeners to also support that question, Jessa, about is there any standardization, there's a bunch of, like, standard lenses, if you will, like um, third-party verifiers, for example, that um, funding partners or wealth consulting group or, or consumers themselves can go look at. Like, 
we always talk about benefit corporations mm-hmm. and B Lab. Like you can go look at their screening criteria, which is pretty much organized like ESG, and you can yeah. look at the questions that they ask under each category. And that's for certifying companies that provide products or services um, that want to differentiate themselves as business as a force for good. And you're coming on the investment side and you're looking at probably a lot more than just what B-Lab might be looking at. Uh, But that's this is fascinating to me uh, because I I attended one of your workshops and I was asking these questions, too. I was like, I was like, how many lenses are there that look at G and like who standardizes it and what questions are asked? So. Going on from G, (laughs) (laughs) governance by the people, for the people. So the social aspect, S, what are some of the... Yeah, so S, social is really looking at human capital and looking at supply chain management or even, you know, working environments for the employees. Like, is it safe work environments or how are the employees being treated? What are their labor standards? So it's really looking at the human capital of a company. And it makes sense, you know, if your, com- if your employees are happy, they're treated well, they're, they, you know, tend to be more productive also, which then leads to a company's like financial performance mm-hmm. as well. So it's really looking at the human capital aspect of a business. Like ha- are full benefits being paid on them? Do they have retirement plans? Do they have full medical? What does that wh- how how are they fully invested? When do they get mm-hmm. invested? Is there matching? All that stuff? Yeah. Well, and really also it's not necessarily like are they offering like retirement plans and different benefits but like, like that, but really is it a safe working environment, um, especially if, you know, if we're looking at manufacturing mm-hmm. companies, oh, okay. you know, how are the labor standards there? Mm-hmm. What does their supply chain management look like? And that's also super important to remember the materiality for the industry. So, for example, in a apparel company, um, in the environmental sector, it's, you know, how are they concerned? How, what is their water usage look mm-hmm. like, right? But then does the environmental aspect, does that matter? Is it going to have the same importance or same materiality as, for example, a technology company, mm-hmm. right? So it's really also looking at what kind of industry is the company in and what are the material lenses to that specific company? That's very interesting. And does does S evaluate the culture or does culture belong under G? Like mission, vision, value stuff. Yeah, so that's actually super interesting because this morning I had a phone call with one of our fund partners um, who is coming out to speak for my next event also. And we were really talking about the S and the G. And when you look at different research online and even looking at different fund partners we use, sometimes they can get not blurry, but the S and G, that they can be very closely related, right? Because mm-hmm. you're looking at board diversity, gender pay gap. It all has to do with human capital in some sense too, looking Mm -hmm. at your employees. So for us, it's not necessarily being like, okay, this has to be strictly S or strictly G, but it's really taking a step back and being like, okay, like how are the criterias being met and not necessarily being like putting them into just an S or G box. It's a metaphor for life. Mm -hmm. It's all interconnected. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Blended. Blended, interwoven fabric of life. (laughs) Nothing that any of us does, but affects us all. Um, and so let's go to E, because you touched on it a little bit. So for, like, example, what is – how much water are you using, how much energy, so on and so forth? 
For yeah, yeah, along those lines. So really looking at,、um, for example, what what is your plastic usage in your products, right? If you are manufacturing different products and you have different shipping and packages that you use within your business, what is your plastic usage like?、Um, what are you doing to reduce your pollution mitigation?、Mm-hmm. Um, how, how are your what is your energy efficiencies look like?、Mm-hmm. So the different aspects that all touch、um, the environmental. Aspects. So, like carbon emissions,、mm-hmm. how、Absolutely. much THC are you emitting? What are you、mm-hmm. doing to mitigate that or avoid that? Yeah, is it do you follow the life cycle of the product, like the manufacturing, like where it's sourced from, manufacturing process, and then the end of life? Yeah. So, and again, that also depends on like the screening、okay. that we do.、Like、the, but yeah, but we do try to step back and look at it big picture because there's also companies, for example, when you have sister companies or like a parent company. You know, how do you screen those? Do you screen them like individually, or do you say、As、no? They're actually, yeah, <laughs> they are a family. They're part of one big company. So, you know, for those, we do take a step back and look at the company、um, overall. That's very、and、interesting. With all of this, thank you, by the way, for walking us through that, <laughs> and what you're you're looking for, and what you think about when it comes to sustainable investing. And so, I think there has been a stigma. Historically, it seems that if you're investing sustainably, you are giving up the returns. Is、yeah, that tr- true or false? <laughs> <laughs> the good news is that it's false now, but it absolutely was the stigma in our industry for many years because they were looking at it completely different. Really taking an SRI approach is what we what we call it now. Look, going into ESG, we're really looking at instead of. Ex- Being more exclusionary, we're looking at who are the best in class companies in the three in the three areas. So, I can say from just from our portfolio standpoint, you know, I can't really talk about what other invest investment firms are how they're performing. But I do know that for us, for the wealth consulting group, where we really pride ourselves on having、um, a high impact portfolio that. Has done amazing, you know. It actually or actively managed high impact portfolios have outperformed the traditional models as well.、Mm-hmm. And it really like it makes sense when you think about it. If you're supporting companies that are doing the right things for the right reasons, it's really where making money meets making a difference too.、Mm-hmm. I like that.、Yeah. <laughs> it's a great scene. And oh my gosh, I always do this. I get it. Like you said something like, "Okay, remember this, Jessa," and then I totally <laughs> slipped my mind. Oh, I know. What I was gonna ask so. With you walked us through what you do and what you're specializing, but what can you define the services that you provide? Because you know we were talking before that your title is financial advisor and personal CFO, and I saw a really cool graphic on your website about I it I don't know I'm a visual person,、yeah. and so it really helped me get a better sense. So maybe you could just yeah elaborate、course. on how that all. Connects. Yeah, so we really see ourselves as our clients' personal CFO. I mean, a lot of our clients are business owners, but even if you're not a business owner, you know, you're the CEO of your own life,、mm-hmm. and so we step in to act as your personal CFO to make sh- to make sure that the actions that you're taking today are in alignment of the financial goals that you want to pursue, whether it's a year from now, five years, ten years, twenty years from now. So we really help create a roadmap towards financial freedom. And once we're at that point, really looking at okay, what are different ways that we can continue to build your wealth in a sustainable way? What can we do to, if you're a business owner, use your business as a vessel to pursue your personal. 
personal goals, you know, instead of letting the business run you, like what are you doing to make your business be really a vessel for your personal dreams and moving up, building wealth and building maybe multiple different um, streams of income and kind of as your personal journey with money grows, like we like to be there and support you. And so we're really, um, when we work with clients, it's definitely for a long-term approach. So like you would come, um, so I'm average Joe and I come to Lisa <laughs> and I say, um, Okay, we'll go we'll go through one lens first. I'm an employee of a company that has a 401k and I don't really know much about it. All I know is that a percentage of my paycheck goes into this thing and I want to maximize it. And if they match, you know, 1% up to 4% or at some companies I've actually been to have matched 100% up to 6%. Right. Um and that's all I know. So I check that box and I'm like, "Cool, I'm taking care of myself. Yay." And then that's it. Um, I might come to you and say, what are options for bringing awareness to where that money goes? Like, wh who's managing that? Where does that money get invested? And do I have a say in that? Do I get to tell them what, what to do? Like um, in terms of an employee having a say on who their 401k provider is. So when you are an employee at a four and have a 401k, um, you know, they know the employee typically doesn't have a say unless there are certain retirement accounts that allow for an in-service distribution. So basically that means you're able to take a portion of your 401k out and put it into a separate investment account that you can get managed by a financial advisor. And then, so of course, then you would have more of a say in terms of like how your, how your money is being invested. Is it invested sustainably? But when we're talking about a 401k plan, it is limited to whatever the plan provides. Mm -hmm. But I could go up to my boss and say, Hey, um, I think we should shift over to Elisa's group because <laughs> they are, they have a sustainable investment portfolio that aligns more with my core values and the company's core values. And then they could yeah. come to you and say, what does this look like? And you, what would your pitch be to them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's really finding out what do they want is, what do they want to accomplish? Like for mm -hmm. the business, but also for their employees. And, you know, I truly believe that sustainable investing, it's not necessarily, like, I don't have to pitch for it because it's not just a nice thing to do. Like, it's a really smart uh, financial move to make. I really think that it's the evolution of investing. It's not just for people that want to do good in in the environment or in mm -hmm. the world or want to support companies that are, you know, considered green. Because that's what a lot of people tend to think when they think of sustainability. They automatically associate it to green or yes. environmental lens. But that's not true at all. Right. It's looking at the companies with the best business practices. And so if you want, whether it's wanting um, to enjoy financial returns in your 401k <laughs> yeah. or your investment yes, account, right? <laughs> you know, it's really like my stand and I know it's the Wealth Consulting Group stand also that this is this is a smart way of investing. Yeah, it's funny, Laurel, because I don't think, I don't know if you knew this, but I've been kind of talking to Elisa about this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, okay. that's, I was that was sure a little nugget that I chucked in there. <laughs> and, and part of that is there has been, and there have been instances where I have been in situations where people have asked, like, I want you know, we kind of talked about this mm -hmm. before. I don't want to steal your thunder, but it's like, you know, quote, voting with your dollars. Yeah. And I want to make sure that my investments, like my money I'm putting in is going towards, you know, impact investing, sustainable yeah. investing and high impact, I should say. And at the time I had asked a more traditional advisor or who I view as a traditional advisor, like one of the, you know, 
kind of household names, if you will. And it was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. I, I mean, there might be something. Yeah, we can look and see if we can get like one fund offering the list of like 50. And it was something that was really important to the people investing in the fund. And now, you know, I, like I said, I fortuitously came across uh, you or when we met and I'm like, oh, you are someone who does this. You specialize in this. This is great. And now like we can refer you to other mm-hmm. people who are asking for this because I think a lot of that is, you know, we kind of talked about awareness and business awareness and now knowing that there are people who exist who specialize in this and it's an option and it's a good option. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like two steps of awareness, right? It's the the consumer, the individual investor being aware that this is even an option, but then it's also an advisor's awareness Mm -hmm. that you can invest in this way and that this is not a scary thing to do for clients too. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like two different areas of of awareness. It's the advisor side, but also the client side. What is, we talk about greenwashing a lot on our podcast too, um, and the equivalent of like consciousness washing. (laughs) (laughs) That that could get sticky. But like, uh, what are some of the terms that a consumer or a business owner should be looking out for that may be a red flag to a financial advisor? So like, yeah, what would they name? Like a green fund. Is, gr- is green fund uh, like a broadly used term? Um, I think that sustainability might be a ESG fund. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen that a few times. But at the end of the day, and this is not just applying to sustainable investing with any sort of investing or any decision with your money. I always advocate for researching mm-hmm. and educating yourself and don't be distracted by a flashy title or a name, right? Really dig into like, what are the actual what is actually going on in the portfolio okay, and that's good. kind of the, what we do with when, when researching companies that's what our fund partners do when they're doing the due diligence on the company are they what are they saying on their website or in their pr or different statements and is that but is that actually what's going mm. on within the company too so it's all about doing your own doing research Verified. and doing due dil- yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and another thing too i guess are you finding, I guess I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. Are you finding more people are coming? Like, is there, it sounds like there's an increase in demand yeah. just in talking oh, with absolutely. you. Oh, absolutely. And are you finding that there are maybe a certain type of person that's coming to you, like people who are kind of in the forefront of trends yeah. or they historically might've been a little bit more like quote traditional or like blue chip investors or something. And now they're coming to you saying, this is a future. This is where it's going. I want my money with you. Yeah. I love that question because a lot of the different like news articles or different things that I see online, it's all about, oh, millennials and women are like at the forefront of ESG investing. They're really like the advocates. They're requesting this. And from what I've seen, like in our business, so Mike and I have seen the clients that are interested in this, it's it's not actually just limited to women and millennials. Like, yeah, we have clients who fit those two criteria and who are really interested in sustainable investing, but we find that it's it's men, it's, you know, different age groups, like all different types of people. And so for us as, as an advisor, it's really important to never make an assumption like, oh, just because someone's a woman or a millennial, they're more likely to be interested in sustainable investing. It's like, can be anyone really. You know, and also uh, 
who wants to make a smart financial decision when it comes yeah. to their money, right? right? And so for us, we bring it up in every single conversation too because honestly, like what we found is like you never know who's interested mm-hmm. in it or not. Well, it's anyone that's interested in getting a return. Because <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it's the smart it's the smart deal now. Do you anticipate that it's just going to become normal now? So like when we look at investing, right. it's, it's sustainable investing of today is just going to be investing in the yeah. future. That would be that would be like amazing. You know, I, like I mentioned, I think it's the evolution of investing. When we look at Europe, for example, there is no such term as sustainable investing over there because that's just the way they do. Right. <laughs> so in a way, like the U.S. is a little bit behind in terms of that. So, you know, as more companies are taking note that, yes, this is what investors want. The hope is that through shareholder advocacy and engaging with companies to promote positive changes in environmental, social, and governance aspects is in turn just going to create more and more sustainable companies. And so with, you know, stepping back a little bit to earlier where you said, you know, you grew up and, you know, you didn't talk about money. Mm -hmm. And I was similar. And we talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know, on a different podcast where it was like kind of a taboo subject. And so I think there there's some people who like have become like you, if you will, who like they did the research and they figured things out and they know where to go. But then there's a lot of people who don't know that they need to invest. They don't know where to start. They don't think they have enough money. And like, what would you tell that person? And because I'm kind of at this place where I feel like you know, at my age, like people are starting to make money and, but they don't realize they need to like do, this is myself too, by the way, (laughs) super clear, asking for a friend. (laughs) 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 Like, Like, where do you start? Like, what is that first step of being like, what do I do? Like, I have a little bit of disposable income, like now what? Come talk to me. All right. no, but no, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I the first step is definitely reaching out, mm-hmm. talking to someone that you trust, talk to an advisor that you can trust. And there's nothing wrong with interviewing multiple advisors because hopefully like you're, you know, you're looking at a long-term relationship also, right? So being with someone that you trust and that you are comfortable with and then really just having a conversation you know, where is it that you want to go? And are you on track to hit those financial goals or goals in general, right? That you want, or is it, are you on track to hit the lifestyle that you want, you want to live? So definitely I think the first thing is to have that conversation and start reaching out to people that can support you in that way. And whether it's coming up with an investment strategy or whether that's coming up with a financial planning strategy, whatever you might need. There are so many resources. Like there are so many financial advisors um, out there and then really looking at, okay, is that financial advisor, um, you know, a specialist in sustainable investing if that's important to you also. Mm -hmm. So definitely doing your research and education on that. And with that, I mean, I think there's a lot of intimidation that comes with that too because people – they don't they don't know what they don't know. And so which is the whole point of having an advisor because <laughs> yeah. it's like they know what to do. You guys know what to do. So that's why we should come to you. But is there anything, I guess, that, you know, a certain I don't want to say like a dollar amount or goal, like or a certain place in life where someone should be like reaching out to an advisor? Like, is it like an is it a number like X thousands or is it just having these goals of how much they want to retire with? Like. What point or where's a good starting point for someone? Like um, to what point should they get before working with an advisor? Yeah, I think so. Like where do you – like at what point should you decide to take that first step? And then, I mean, like, you know, this is how you make your money too is like by helping other people make money. 
So, you know, getting that part of your business model that someone needs to probably have a little bit to get started. Like, where, yeah. like, where do you start? Like, what's step one? Yeah. I like to throw this little analogy always in. You know, when people think of working with a personal trainer, mm-hmm. you know, when you go up to a personal trainer and they, they kind of tell you how they can help you with your fitness and health and nutrition goals, whatever it is that you're looking for, would you go back and say, you know what, like, I'll get back. It sounds great, but I'll get back to you when I've lost X amount of pounds. Or like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it when like my diet has improved, right? Yeah. Like, probably not. Like, that's why you work with a personal trainer. So for my clients, I've, I have clients who have helped from the very, very beginning, like just getting started in investing and financial planning all the way to people that have already accumulated wealth. And I just don't think it's – there's no such thing as, like, too early to mm-hmm. start on your own money journey. And you can – there's no – you know, there's really hardly any substitute for time. When we think about like time value of money or investing, compound interest, like you can't beat time. So the quicker you can start, like the more likely, the better off that you're going to be also. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if I'm so like I think back to the day when I first entered the workforce, I was an hourly employee at a Mm -hmm. environmental consulting firm collecting water in a storm drain. The sewer. (laughs) I was a sewer rat. (laughs) Paid a whopping ten dollars an hour. It's very uh it's a glamorous so glam <laughs> so glam and um obviously i was an hourly employee so i didn't have any financial benefits um other than my you know hourly paycheck would i be in a position to come to you and say you know after i pay my rent um after i eat food um probably booze a little bit when i was younger um and have a, had a bit of money for <laughs> entertainment even if I only have a few hundred dollars, maybe even $100 at the end of the month, am I a good candidate to come talk to you? Or should I maybe hang back and wait till I got a little something else to work with? Um, that's a really interesting question. I think that a conversation can never hurt. Truth. Right? And if I can't help you or if a financial advisor that you talk to can't help you, you know, hopefully they can give you some tips on how to at least get started somehow mm-hmm. um, but at least you've had the conversation and one thing for us at the wealth consulting group you know investment management is a big portion of our practice um, a big thing that mike and i also do is the financial planning aspect mm-hmm. also really coming up with the strategies and action items of what you should be doing outside of just your investments mm-hmm. right more thinking about like day-to-day action items um, and so what we have is a, it's a monthly subscription model for financial planning. As well. Oh, that's mm-hmm. very helpful. We love subscriptions. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. That's really helpful to capture a group of individuals, uh, maybe that aren't $10 an hour sewer rats, but maybe, you know, like, <laughs> like all the way up to uh, maybe people who even are full-time employees and do have 401ks, but have a little extra dough and, um, maybe they're not ready to invest in something, but they need some assistance. Uh, like I want to take a big vacay in two years. That's my financial goal. And I want to be able to do it where I'm not stressed out and I get to explore whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it while right. I'm on vacay. So you'd be a good person to right. come to sign up for a monthly subscription and you would help me plan that. Right. So I put, you know, a little bit away here and there. And then by this time I should have accumulated this so that, you know, two weeks before my vacay, I can go shopping and get prepared and then go and like be stress-free. Right. That's something that you do. So, well, I would like to work with you. I was going to say, I was saying, sitting here listening to Laura. I was like, you just got a new client, I think. Uh, 
that was a great analogy about the personal trainer, by the way. I just, I connected with that so much. And because I'm that person who's like, I need to be in shape before I go to the gym. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to go to spin class and be like dying. But now I just learned you sit in the back corner and start. No one sees you. Um, <laughs> they're like, turn the knobs. Like, nope. Nope, um, I will not. You can't tell me what yeah, to do. Yeah, that was very relatable. Thank you for sharing that. And when you talk about the subscription model, I'm just curious. Are, do you work with any companies who are providing these financial services to their employees or like hiring someone like you to be a resource? Well, that's a good idea. Ooh. Yeah, we, um, at, towards like the end of last year, we started talking to a company who was really interested in being able to provide this as an additional resource for um, his employees. Mm-hmm. So it's something that like we are open to, you know, consider and work with and just kind of really figure out like what is the most helpful for the company and their employees because at the end of the day we want it to be a win-win situation for everyone involved i would recommend Mm -hmm. that if you're an employee of a company go ask for that benefit because or if you run a company provide it i mean it's regenerative (laughs) when we talk about that so we we focus so much on the regenerative model for a business and you know the circular economy and adding back um more than you take and so part of that, though, is, I mean, you provide health care and benefits in that way in the retirement plan for employees. But then there's so many other aspects where, especially if you're playing your employees well, you're investing in their retirement and bonuses. I mean, financial stress is like the number one cause of divorce and, you know, all yeah. those things. So mm-hmm. it's like it just seems like that is a, a right market. <laughs> yeah. I agree. We talk a lot about financial insecurity being a huge stressor and stress is the reason why we all get sick. (laughs) So having a monthly subscription to a financial advisor that could address my concerns and help me meet my goals would make me a happy employee and Mm -hmm. a well employee and therefore I'd be more productive. So aside from investments and retirement, it seems like a good strategy to improve happiness now. Yeah. Some of us millennials don't really care about retirement. <laughs> Some of us don't because maybe that's not one of our financial goals is like waiting until we're at retirement age. Maybe one of our financial goals is to start a business mm-hmm. or maybe one of our financial goals is like, like I'm all I really care about is going on a big, you know, month long vacation. How do I In do San that? Diego, I mean, buying a house. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I was just going to say that's a huge, like, that's a big goal for a lot of my clients. Oh, and yeah. I do work with a lot of millennial business owners. Um, yeah. Like the landscape of entrepreneurship has changed so much in the last few years. Um, there are so many more um, millennials entering that space and becoming incredibly successful too. And then figuring out, okay, like what are your goals in the next like five to 10 years? Because you're right. I have a lot of millennials millennial clients where retirement seems so far away Mm -hmm. and who knows what your life is going to look like in 40 years or whatever it may be right so really looking at okay you know for us as an advisor we don't want to lose track of the big picture but then also figuring out what do you want your lifestyle to look like in the next like five to ten years and what how do we focus on that too i love that i'm a very yolo mindset (laughs) because i think and this is like a little dark but you know you save for retirement you max out your 401k investment (laughs) some i've heard people do that (laughs) and then it's like you know something happens unexpected you get hit by a bus or what i'm like what did i save for and granted i know you want to save for a house and have these goals and there is a big picture and that's (laughs) 
why you need to save and I've learned that but I do think there's a balance between like squirreling away all your money for when you're you know 65 to take a cruise somewhere that you're going to be uncomfortable on because you're aging and you're tired and not that everyone that age is aging and tired. Some people take a lot better care of themselves than I plan to. But <laughs> it's just that I just want to enjoy it now. And like we talk about, like, yeah. you know, time is finite. And so anyway, I appreciate that approach of being like, let's focus on the big picture, but also some like shorter term goals as well to like, yeah, you know, you want to have lifestyle. a balance, right? Like, I mean, yes, you want to be responsible and mm-hmm. savvy with your money. And at the same time, like you want to live your life and have fun. And mm-hmm. so how do you balance those things? <laughs> Right? I'm a millennial. I can relate. <laughs> yeah, you did it. We brought you on for a reason. I love the idea of, like, I get to subscribe to Elisa and Mike always being there for me. Like, on a monthly basis, I pay my fee, and I can trust that you're going to help me out in areas that I just don't have the time to focus on. Right. Like, I'm running a business. I'm focused on clients. I'm focused on Um, running their businesses, the aspects of their business that they can't run. And to have you kind of take that off my plate, that, Mm -hmm. to me, that might be the definition of financial freedom. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Because you're just It's like a peace of mind. And, like, we all want to stay in our own zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And for you, that's, like, running your business, helping your clients. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's helping my clients with their financial goals and creating their own, you know, we say it's your definition of true wealth mm. and figuring out the the roadmap to get there. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And um, I wanted to go a, a little rogue from what Ooh, we talked about. Okay. We, yeah. Pop quiz. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So at least I know you are very much like an entrepreneur, CEO type mm-hmm. person. And you do a lot of, you know, we talk about mentorship programs. And I was telling you before I follow you on social media and you're always talking about your routines and time management mm-hmm. and habits. And I just, can you just kind of maybe talk about some things that are working for you and your mindset and approach to business? Like Absolutely. Personally? Yes. I love this subject. Yay. <laughs> um, and so over the last like few months has been probably like a big personal development journey for myself and recognizing that mindset plays such a big role in your life in terms of business, but also in relation to money. Right. So over the last few months, just really diving deep into, you know, what are my own beliefs about running a business? Like, you know, one of the biggest limiting beliefs that I had is that I constantly have to work hard. You have to work hard to earn money, which is Mm -hmm. what, you know, depending on how you grew up, that's like the belief that you could have bought into and just recognizing, no, it's, it's actually not true. It can be really, it can be fun. You can do it with grace. And then as a woman, really tapping into both your feminine and masculine energy and combining them both to be able to create a powerful business. And then to be that in turn helps me show up the most for my clients. So I think I went off tangent a little. No, that is right. You're crushing it. All the numbers all the dolphins it's all right on path we love it because you were you mentioned we talked about this a lot elisa about how the traditional way of running a business is must do it now immediately it's productivity consciousness like now react to the stimulus do all the money say all the things hold all the cards play this game um but the game isn't fun (laughs) when it's played that Right. That way. And I love your word about grace. 
you can do it with grace in a way that's mm-hmm. enjoyable. It meets your needs. You've got that creative feminine side of you. You've got that dreamer masculine side of you. And you can, like, search within yourself to find those and, and explore those and apply them. How do, you, yeah. how do you specifically explore ideas and apply them? Yeah, absolutely. So I do believe in investing in coaching programs and investing in coaching. So that's something that I do. And so then, you know, you're not just alone on this journey. You actually have people with proven track records that have already done it and you can learn from them and you can get there way quicker for yourself also. So that's been a huge um, game changer for me over the last four months and having different accountability partners to be, you know, on a weekly basis, I I do mindset inquiry work. Mm -hmm. Um, for myself. And then it's something that I introduce to my clients as well, money mindset um, coaching calls with them. And then, um, you know, a big part has been my morning routine and really getting in tune with writing a lot more. You know, I kind of stopped doing that for a while, but then in the mornings when I wake up, I meditate, I journal kind of like not, you know, just like a free flow of consciousness not necessarily having prompts and then really, really practicing gratitude. So at the end of the day, all right, um, I actually have a s- separate journal for three thi- three ways that abundance comes easily to me and just reflect on like three different ways that, that that was true for that day. And so a lot of it is just kind of coming from a place of gratitude and abundance that, you know, I'm already in a really good place mm-hmm. and trusting kind of, you know, we were talking about mm-hmm. um, Gabby Bernstein yes. and uh, yeah, reading her book and just trusting that being, that you are being on the right path. And so for me, that's just a combination of doing having a really solid morning routine, kind of listening to my intuition more, being part of coaching programs. We've t- our last episode was with uh, Dr. Ben, who was talking about how you can listen to your intuition and trust it better if your gut brain is healthy. Mm. And what are some of the ways, aside from mindset, that you stay healthy so that you can easily trust your yeah. instincts and your intuition? Resting. Ah, yeah, I learned that definitely the hard way. And I don't know if it was a combination of, you know, the industry that I'm in, which is incredibly masculine. You know, it's coming from like a Wall Street kind of space, like where the most successful people that I'm surrounded by built their entire business on cold calling, like incredibly long hours every single day. And I have so much respect for those people. Like, I can't imagine like being able to do that. You know, I have so much respect for everyone around me who's created a successful business that way too and then um i kind of got into that rat race also when i first started in this industry being like okay yes i do i also need to be working so many hours like every single day like six days a week and i was doing that for almost like close to two years and it just it's such a burnout Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't sustainable for me and it wasn't fun like you said like you mentioned it's not fun and it's not (laughs) worth it for for me to sacrifice like my mental and physical health either so understanding that yes rest is not just um it's it's a very necessary thing think when running a business so being able to rest and I think that then also opens you up to like actually being able to listen to your inner voice because when you're go 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 on the time it's almost like you shut off your inner voice mm-hmm. because you're just like constantly mm-hmm. in action and so being able to rest a lot um you know 
going back to honestly like eating healthy I notice a big difference in like the mm-hmm. food I eat yeah. um, and then practice that got, for me like my version of working out is like going to yoga doing different things like that going by the beach like I'm at the ocean almost every single day and so that's like some of the ways that I recuperate how do you how do you know like what are the triggers or the signals your body and mind tells you when you're out of alignment with your feeling good Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know when you've oh had a couple missteps and you need to come back? Yeah. So over the last few months, my intuition has just become r- incredibly strong and like my inner voice has become really strong. So I'll know like if I'm feeling that same if I get any sense of that burnout or if I'm feeling like, oh, like I feel very lethargic, it kind of brings me back to, oh, this is how I was feeling every single day for two years. Mm-hmm. And this shows that. I need to take a moment. I need to slow down and kind of think, okay, what have I been working on? Like what's causing that trigger? Mm-hmm. But really just like slowing the F down. Yeah. Yeah. Like calming exactly. everything, slowing down. I think that's been a really big lesson for Jessa and me too, because when you launch a business, uh, you work a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And one of our core values is humor or enjoyment or, you know, finding the comedy of life. And I think that speaks to, like, when you notice that something isn't fun. Exactly. It's kind of a trigger. And I don't mean that from that stereotypical place of, I'm a millennial and nothing is fun. So I don't want to do it. No, it's like life is meant to be enjoyed. Starting a business is enjoyable. It feels good. So when I don't feel good, something's out uh, out of alignment. Let me take a step back and listen to my intuition, figure out what that is, and just nip it in the bud. So so every day, tuning back into what you're vibrating on. Well, I think, too, when you get to this place where you implement these good habits, like your routine and exercise and diet, which is diet's my the one I'm still working on, um, <laughs> is um, you you feel so good. Yes. And then sometimes when you slip up or you have a setback or you put in a longer work week than you typically do, I think you notice it because you're like, oh, like your new baseline is this place mm-hmm. of, you know, clarity and health yeah. and, you know, a natural energy. And, and yeah, like Laurel, like you said, I say like so much. I catch. I can't I stop. Can, I, I, I meet you. Stop. My mom mentioned it, and I've been uh, cringing every time. I heard I'm just accepting. I it. heard myself on one of these going, and it's like you know, like like I mean, like wait, 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 like but you know, it's really like anyway. And so like, <laughs> I just wanted to double down on that, and you know, self awareness, and so anyway, like gosh, I can't remember saying, but we. You can kind of tell these triggers, I think, more easily now, Mm -hmm. whereas before it was the norm. And, you know, there's a few things that come to mind from what you said is that, you know, in the entrepreneurial world and startup world and financial, there's it's a badge of honor to see who can work the most hours, who gets the most sleepless (laughs) Mm -hmm. nights. And it's unsustainable. You know, talk about sustainability. Like you have one life. You only have so much time. You have one body to take care of. And I same thing, too. I had a full burnout a couple of years ago. And I'm like, oh, okay. This was not worth it. Yeah. And just very recently, I think a week or two ago, I was just having a day where I'm like, I, I was like feeling all the same feelings again. And I was telling Laura, I was like, I'm really like annoyed and I'm really stressed out. Like, and I walked her through the things. I'm like, oh, yep, these are all triggers for me. And I have a plan. I removed one of them. I have a plan to remove <laughs> another one. But it was so obvious that, that my whole day was shaken up because of this and I remember what I was going to say now is about when we talk about having fun, it's about enjoying it. And you can work hard and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're like you said, you go to the beach, get some air, but it's not like you're out on the beach every day just working from your phone. You know, you're doing productive, meaningful work that's adding value. It doesn't mean you're lazy. It means you're actually 
a better productive individual by yeah. taking risks. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not putting in the work. But then it's also as a business owner being incredibly smart by how what you're spending your time on, right? Really optimizing your time. Mm -hmm. So when we're working with business owners, also looking at, okay, what are, how are you spending your energy and your time? And what are you doing? Like how much of your time are you actually spending on revenue or results generating activities? What are things that you can outsource or hire out to um, a VA or admin, right? And what are things that you could possibly eliminate? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mike and I do that activity on a very consistent basis. So we want to be sure that we're all staying in our zone of genius and doing the things that we actually enjoy and good at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Do you have, so aside from Mike and your business coaching Mm -hmm. workshops that you love, do you have other accountability partners that yes. you rely on bringing attention and awareness? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's actually one of the the things I love about the Wealth Consulting Group. It's a very collaborative environment. It's not like you're, you're, you know, you're completely isolated on your own. You know, we have about 80 advisors now mm. and it's incredibly collaborative. So I do actually have an accountability call with another advisor in our firm who's up in the Vegas office and we've become very close and we support each other in a business mindset and personal. And I think that's another tip. You know, if you are alone, like find another, find someone else to talk about it with, right? Because it can be very lonely and it can be stressful if you make it lonely, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of often hear that, oh, entrepreneurship is such a lonely journey, but it's only lonely if you make it lonely. There's so many people that you can connect with also. And then for me, and this is what I encourage clients or anyone listening to is look at people that are already where you're at right now, like in your, whether it's in your industry or in your business. And by seeing another woman or uh, another man do it, like you're showing your mind that it's possible. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. this woman is like X steps ahead of me. And if someone else can do it, like, I can do it too. I this is a very simple analogy. I mean, you use the personal trainer example, yeah. so I'm gonna do one. Do it. It's <laughs> it's like I've been snowboarding for several years. Uh, I can at the time I could only do heel side all the way down. So I'm like seesawing on my heels all the way down the mountain. I'm pulling powder with me. I'm annoying everybody. It's just <laughs> like you know when Laurel's coming down the mountain. And that was because I was always snowboarding with boyfriends or um, friends that were boys. And they just go. And so I never had anybody to, like, look at. And uh, a week or so ago, I was in Idaho with uh, one of my best girlfriends. And she went down the mountain straight and started to carve. And I just went right behind her. And I did exactly the same thing that she did. And I did not fall. I did not crash. I carved. It was awesome. And it was all because kind of monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, I highly recommend finding your snowboard partner that yeah. looks like you, has you know, is <laughs> mentally and physically well that you can give it a go with. Totally, not, not really be scared to do that too. I I think the old traditional way of doing business is like I'm kind of like you said in this alone, and if I ask for help or seek for help, I look weak and stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not really helpful to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's not. It's not at all. Uh, that's why I love having Jessa as a business yeah, partner. Yeah, just a little oracle over here. <laughs> <laughs> How did I, yeah, you are. How did you um, find Mike? Uh, did, I can't remember if you explained that yeah. yet or not. Yeah, so uh, I went to San Diego State, and yeah. funnily enough, like my junior year, they rolled out an Aztec mentorship program. Ah. So if anyone is 
listening and goes to San Diego State or is an alumni, they should sign up for this program. Um, and I got connected to a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. So my junior year, and then we just kept in touch over the years. And I had an internship at another wealth management firm, which was coming to an end. And so when I was looking for full-time opportunities, I went back to my mentor, Adrian. I was like, hey, Adrian, like you've been in the business a long time. Like, you know, or is there anyone that you can introduce me to? Like you, you know, they don't, you don't need to know if they're hiring or not. Just, I just want to set introductory meetings because that's all I was doing. I was calling up advisors um, that I found online, like from the business, seeing that they didn't have a junior partner and started calling them oh, to set meetings. That's, that's how I got my internship. Also, I was calling every um, woman advisor at one of the big firms in San Diego saying, hey, I'm a student in San Diego State. Like, can we set a coffee? And that's how I ended up getting my internship. So I did the same approach, like looking for a full time job. And then Adrian introduced me to Mike because mm-hmm. they used to work together like years ago. And so Mike and I met, and I remember on our second meeting at the very end, I just said, you know, like, Mike, I enjoyed hearing everything about you. Uh, You know, I like the Wealth Consulting Group. I like the way that you're you're running your business. And I have to ask, like, is there an opportunity for me to work here? And he just kind of looked at me and said, I think there is. Look at you. And then made that that connection. That That is such a lesson. I was just going to say the same thing. That is such an important business lesson is – well, there's a few things. One is knowing and understanding what you want, which comes from self-awareness. And then two – not being afraid to ask yeah. for it and put yourself out there. And the worst that's going to happen is no. And the best is your scenario right. where they say, yeah, great. You put mm-hmm. out there what you wanted to the people who are in the industry and know how to help you. And look at you now. Look and at the, you. Yeah. Now you're on our podcast. Oh, I mean, yeah. oh, this is like that in your gratitude journal. It's like you, yeah, you put it out in the universe and the universe has your back. Wink. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, with all of this, I feel like we could, Talk forever and ever, amen, to the to the dolphins come yeah, home. We'll keep talking, not on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Everyone's like, what are you talking about, dolphins? <laughs> I know. Well, maybe that can be integrated into your, your three-point landing. What are the three little nuggets of wisdom that you want our listeners to walk away with? Um, yeah, it's like going back to sustainable investing, understanding that it's not just a nice thing to do to feel good about yourself. It is truly a smart way of investing. It's a financially smart decision. Um, And then seeing that every dollar that you do spend, regardless of whether it's supporting a brand or a company or in your investments, it's already having an impact. You just might not know what the impact of that is. So being becoming conscious of where your money is actually going, um, knowingly or unknowingly. And then I think just, you know, when it comes to business, Knowing that it's you don't have to do anything alone. And I think that applies to your financial journey and your business journey as well. That's great. You this has been such a lovely day. Yes. I am thank grateful. You. This is going in my gratitude journal. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing your intelligence and your inspiration. And it's just such a joy to talk to you. Again. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> All right. Send it, Jessa. Thanks for listening and visit astellar.co. That's A-S-T-E-L-L-A-R dot C-O for reference materials from the podcast and to connect with Jessa and Laurel. Foxhole Studios specializes in audio production and can work remotely to meet your audiovisual needs whether you live in San Diego or not. Getting a podcast started? Contact the team at info at foxholestudios.com for any and all inquiries.